This is Zach, and listening to the band Wet um, just really puts me in a great mood. So I hope you enjoyed that opening song. It was it's called Clementine, and I'd highly recommend checking out the band Wet. So this is the second full episode of Witnesser Radio, and I'm really excited that you're listening in. I don't think I've mentioned that my I guess ultimate goal for this podcast is to create a community of people who can geek out on spirituality. So I'm envisioning having a discord and other tools to help build community. So to that end, you can contact me via Spotify or at least I know on Anchor. I believe if you go into the actual episodes, you can either send a video message or you can respond to Q&As at the bottom. And I also wanted to make available my email address. It's witnesserradio at protonmail.com. So proton, P-R-O-T-O-N, mail.com. And I would respond as soon as I can. Any suggestions you have for philosophical topics that you want me to talk about, um, or just Anything that the episodes spark, I would love to hear from you. And I also just created an Instagram. The handle is witnesserradio.podcast. And it has about four pictures up right now, so I'm just getting it going. And if you're on Instagram, check it out. So I'm just going to jump right into this episode, and I hope you enjoy it. The topic of today's podcast is much lighter than the first episode. Is it really? Um, I don't know, actually. So you can be the judge of that. Man, I listened to that first episode a few times, obviously, while editing it and adding music and stuff, and it's pretty depressing as fuck. Well, not really, because its nugget of truth is one of hope and resilience, and that the realization of impermanence is liberating to know that you decided to incarnate into this experience. That's a lot more powerful than feeling like you're a victim or you're some sort of alien that was placed here and now has to deal with all of these externally perceived enemies and trials and tribulations. And the message I was trying to get across is that you never have been, aren't currently, and will never be separate from the entire universe and its source. But still, that might not have been the best way to start the podcast, to take one of the most uplifting phrases in the spiritual community and relate it to child abandonment, neglect, and abuse. So I'll keep that in mind for future episodes. 
Okay, finally, it feels like. What the fuck are we talking about today? Oh, Jesus, I stand trying. Okay, well, today's popular adage that the podcast will focus on is the mosquito biting the iron bowl. And I mentioned it in the introduction to this podcast, but it's actually not pointing to the use of language to point to something that's not conceptual. Um, It's related to that concept, so I want to clarify what the key nugget of that adage actually is. And embarrassingly, it took me a really long time to figure out the truth that that phrase points to. And as you'll discover, hopefully today, because that's kind of the main point of this episode, that no one has diddly shit figured out, and that there are never-ending stages of expansion, because after all, you're eternal. So shit would get pretty boring pretty quickly if you could figure out the great mysteries of the cosmos as a human in like 80 years or less. Um, That just seems pretty uh, sensical to me. And I've been trained in journalism, so I have a conditioning to not bury the lead, so I like to just say things right up front. And I might actually need to rethink that if I want people to listen to the full episodes, but I'm, alas, just being me. And so I don't have diddly shit figured out. And I'm hoping that when I get a community built around this show, my listeners can point out some of the dumb shit I say, recommend topics to explore further, and even potentially come on to the podcast if they're particularly brave souls, or maybe it would be more apt to say they're just narcissistic as fuck like I am, but I would still love to have some people come on the podcast. That'd be really fun. So what does the mosquito biting the iron bull point to? Well, I'll be as clear as possible. The mosquito is a metaphor for the spiritual seeker's attempt to figure out its true nature, or the absolute truth, or attain enlightenment, nirvana, moksha, salvation, insert whatever term from any philosophy you'd like. In a nutshell, the end goal of the spiritual quest. Well, I hate to break it to you so directly again, but that's like a mosquito trying to bite an iron bull. Mosquitoes, if you're not familiar with their anatomy, use a tiny straw-like appendage called a proboscis that has a relatively sharp tip, sharp enough at least to pierce human skin, for example, But this adage is asking you to imagine that flimsy, tiny, straw-like appendage trying to pierce through an iron bowl to drink its blood. First, this image should immediately make you realize that a proboscis being able to pierce iron is absolutely impossible. And even if there's a mosquito that comes across a genie and asks for a proboscis that's strong enough to pierce an iron bull, iron bulls, in case you don't know, aren't alive so they don't have any blood to drink. It's the same teaching as when spiritual teachers relate the spiritual quest to peeling off the layers of an onion to get to the center or the core of truth. You peel and peel and peel 
only to discover that onions have absolutely nothing at their center, just like your consciousness. I'm sorry. Now, I know your first reaction is probably like, well, fuck, then what is the point of any of this? And that is exactly what my first reaction was. I felt like an absolute fool. Had I wasted over half my life searching for nothing? Why are there so many accounts of enlightened beings, jivanmuktas, living Buddhas, and the like? They discovered nothing? Well, yeah, kind of, and that is actually liberating. Let me explain. Like I mentioned earlier, you're eternal. Like, really eternal. So explore that a bit. Alan Watts has a funny talk on this, and I can't remember what it's called, so you should just listen to all of them anyway. Um, So I'm not going to try to find it for you. But he says, as infinite consciousness, the progression would look something like this. You would first experience the most blissful states imaginable. And you can use your puny human brain to think of what it would be like in the most intense states of ecstasy. Really, have fun with that for a little bit. And then try to grasp ecstasy infinitely more blissful than that. You can't, but that's another good exercise in the futility of using the human brain for things it's incapable of grasping. So I hope you tried that little exercise. And then think about what would you do next? Hmm. So I would probably go on some adventures. After all, human beings love stories. And we love to tell stories. We love to get lost in stories. We love to go watch movies and just escape for a little bit. We like seeing ourselves reflected in the characters. And it's just entertaining. And some watch scary movies. But what if instead of watching scary movies... I could actually be Drew Barrymore talking to a killer over the phone at the beginning of Scream 1. Hello? Hello? Yes? Who is this? Mm, Who are you trying to reach? What number is this? What number are you trying to reach? I don't know. Well, I think you have the wrong number. Do I? It happens. Take it easy. Hello? I'm sorry, I guess I dialed the wrong number. Uh, So why'd you dial it again? To apologize. You're forgiven. Bye now. Wait, wait, don't hang up. What? I want to talk to you for a second. They've got 900 numbers for that. See ya. Yes, Scream came out in 1996 when I was seven. And the parents I talk about in episode one let me watch it. Needless to say, I was terrified of telephones, a a fear that grips me still to this day, floor-to-ceiling windows, tree swings, and Jiffy Pop. Luckily, I've gotten over my fear of Jiffy Pop. There's just something about popping corn on a stove that is absolutely exhilarating, but tree swings are still hella sketch to me. 
Okay, back to reality. Oh, there goes Rabbit. That's my Slim Shady. Um, so as a human on Earth in 2022, I'm starting to feel a lot like Drew. I have some serious questions as to why Infinite Intelligence didn't just call a 900 number to get its kicks. I mean, Drew was right. She very sensibly asked the murderer calling her at the beginning of their conversation if he's looking for some excitement in his life, why isn't he just calling a fucking 900 number? I mean, really? If you want to experience things like pestilence, famine, murder, rape, and inequality across every social spectrum imaginable, economic, political, racial, sexual, and on and on and on, there has to be something like a 900 number that God could have called. I mean, Jesus. Uh, but all kidding aside for a second, Alan Watts goes on to postulate that at one point you would want a surprise. And alas, here we are. God pushed the surprise button. Now, that may be mostly a joke, and if you want a more philosophical explanation, okay, I'll get serious, sort of, for a second, if I must. It is truly liberating, because it means you are limitless. Undefinable. Think about it. You want the ultimate truth and mystery of the universe to be capable of being found in some man-made language that may last some thousands of years at best, and you also want that ultimate mystery to be found within the pages of some dusty old book, a static thing created by temporal creatures who can't even figure out how to live harmoniously together on this tiny rock that they call home and who also are doing everything in their power to destroy this home of theirs. No, if the species that thinks Long John Silver's is food and Crocs are shoes was able to figure out the essence of the creator of the cosmos, kill me right now. And that, my friends, is not really a joke because, as Alan Watts relayed, Albert Camus said, there is only really one serious philosophical question, which is whether or not to commit suicide. And then Alan goes on to say, a little more lightly, I think there are four or five serious philosophical questions. The first one is, who started it? The second is, are we going to make it? The third is, where are we going to put it? The fourth is, who's going to clean up? And the fifth, is it serious? Is it serious? Now, that's a great question. By what standard? There are certainly relatively serious things to be dealt with on this earth. Primarily, are we going to stop treating the earth, our home, 
like some clearance bin at a discount store that we can haphazardly plunder without any conscious thought for it, instead of realizing that we, human beings, are products of that very earth, much like leaves are the products of trees. But in the zoomed out perspective, thankfully, it's not serious. Temporal things, like an 80-year human life, are just that, temporary, impermanent, like waves that arise and then crash into and completely meld back into the ground of their existence, the infinite ocean of consciousness itself, an ocean that has no beginning, no middle, and no end. And so, once again, we're back at me using metaphors to explain something that really cannot be conceptualized. So I'll keep saying that, um, even though I can say you're like a wave in the infinite ocean of consciousness, which is a beautiful image, you really cannot conceptualize it. So again, we're back at that problem of the finger pointing at the moon. But I really um, love language and words and they're beautiful and the feelings that they evoke are more it than the words themselves. So I'm going to end this podcast with an excerpt from one of my favorite Alan Watts essays titled That Far Off Divine Event. People imagine that letting themselves go would have disastrous results. Trusting neither circumstances nor themselves, which together make up life, they are forever interfering and trying to make their own souls and the world conform with preconceived patterns. This interference is simply the attempt of the ego to dominate life. But when you see that all such attempts are fruitless, and when you relax the fear-born resistance to life in yourself and around you, which is called egoism, you realize the freedom of union with Brahman. In fact, you have always had this freedom, for the state of union with Brahman can neither be attained nor lost. All men and all things have it, in spite of themselves. It can only be realized, which is to say made real to you, by letting life live you for a while, instead of trying to make yourself live life. You will soon reach the point where you will be unable to tell whether your thoughts and feelings are your own, or whether life put them into you, for the distinction between yourself and life will have disappeared. If the truth be known, there never was any distinction, save in your imaginations. This is called union with Brahman, for he that loseth his life shall find it. And to conclude this episode, there's no song more fitting to once again deliver this message than the wise tune sung by Lamb Chop and his friends, along with the inimitable Sherry Lewis, Rest in Peace, and that I loved torturing my mom with all those years ago. This is the song that doesn't end. This is the song that doesn't end. Yes, it goes on and on, my friend. Some people started singing it, not knowing what it was. 
And they'll continue singing it forever just because this is the song that doesn't end. Yes, it goes on and on. My friend, some people started singing it not knowing what it was. And they'll continue singing it forever just because this is the song that doesn't end. How do I turn you off? It goes on and on. My friend, okay. Far, far away. Go, go, go. No, no, no. Keep on.